Well, today on this podcast, it is my pleasure to welcome Taylor Parker, who is the president of Iowa Hearing. I really haven't done anything commercially yet on these podcasts because I've just kind of visited with my friends and we talked about experiences of my life. Well, today I'm going to do both because Taylor's one of my friends. His father-in-law, Dwayne, was my friend when I got to know him back in 06 when I was at WHO in Des Moines and started working with them with their hearing instruments because my first hearing aid was provided to me by Iowa Hearing, Dwayne, and then Taylor. So, Taylor, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You know, we've, again, we've known each other for a long time. And, you know, every time we talk, it just feels like it was yesterday. Well, the experiences of my life have all been good. In a number of cases, they had to do with hearing, uh, partly because my father had a major hearing loss when I was a child. I told your father-in-law this, that my father chased hearing aids his entire adult life because he always believed that something would give him a better ability to hear because he missed it so much. But he started out with a hearing aid in the days that we can hardly imagine now that you put it in your pocket and you ran a cord to your ear. Yep. And and at his best, he moved to hearing aids behind his ear that were quite large. I think the one I remember most was on his glasses. Yep. And on each side of his glasses in the 1970s, 80s at the at the latest, he had a hearing aid on each side. And I guess those glasses probably weighed, I don't know, about three or four ounces, maybe more. And that was the best he had ever been able to achieve. All of those things were in my memory of him. Through my youth, I was outside with a lot of machinery, a lot of loud noises. Once, I hate to say this, I got into a manhole with a jackhammer and uh, ran it. And I believe that I personally damaged my hearing well before I was 20 years old. And finally, at about 54... I was sitting with your father-in-law and we were talking for a commercial and he looked at me like, how do you know this stuff? And at the end of it, I said, look, you know, I've lived this my whole life with my father and the evolution of hearing aids. But I said, they won't work for me because I've tried and there's not a hearing aid that will solve my problem. And he looked at me and in his straightest face, he said, come and see me. The technology has changed. And that was the beginning of me wearing hearing aids, and I've never stopped wearing them since that time. And you and I got to know each other just about then. And I have been wearing hearing aids from Concept by Iowa since uh, 2006. The upside of this, the satisfaction, has been that I have been able to restore my hearing back from a sizable loss, I felt like, to being able to compensate with the hearing aid and now move ahead in these latter years of which I'm now 73 uh, to have as good a hearing as many people of my age group. And I'm sorry I talked so long, but I just wanted to tell that Taylor to make sure everybody knew where I was coming from. It's it's a great story. And you have very vivid memories of, of your father. And, you know, you have kind of a fondness when you speak about that. The unfortunate is most people don't have a fondness of hearing aids. 
that mm-hmm. they, it, you know, it's there's the stigma of either it makes me look old or it makes me look handicapped. And it's because they knew someone that had the, you know, the big banana behind the ear. It squealed in church. They didn't hear very well. Like they just, it, it looked like it was more of a mess than it was helping them. And that's what most people have pictured in their head is that's them. That'll be them if they treat their hearing loss. And you've always been very good about recognizing one that you had, you know, you had an issue. And then two, you were willing to take that step forward and, you know, take it head on. And you've done, you know, as, as you say, you've done very, very well. Well, I have never considered it a handicap or a social negative because I grew up with it. And yeah. uh, there's a number of things people can say about that if they grew up with it. Uh, I just realized it was a real thing for my father. And uh, I felt for him at times because he would become very uncomfortable in a social setting that there'd be six men around a table. And he was trying to converse with him. He's very quick on his feet and a very sharp-minded guy. But he couldn't find who was talking. And somebody would say something to him that he didn't see them. He didn't see their mouth move. And then someone else would look at him like, well, Orrin, Orrin was his name. Yep. You didn't hear that guy? And then dad would start to, you know, just collapse and move away from them. And for many years, he stayed out of much public contact at all, unless he could talk to you face to face. And in a small enough group, he didn't embarrass himself. Well, from that, um, Let's talk about me and the people out there who want to address a hearing loss, either for themselves or for others. And uh, the fact that micro miniaturization, I think, has been in hearing aids, uh, the space program. I mean, the space program and, and hearing aids all use the same stuff. And you basically have a, an incredible capability with, uh, what you maybe described to me here in the hearing aids of being able to pick out the sounds that you were losing. So let's start at the basics of it here. I have a problem with high frequencies, higher frequencies, uh, women's voices, children's voices, very high frequencies. I cannot hear at all uh, unless they are really jacked up in amplitude. Is that accurate? Uh, that is, that's very accurate. If the, the number one type of hearing loss out today is from noise exposure. So whether it's you being around farming, you know, you probably damaged yours doing a jackhammer, you know, Dwayne lost his when he was 21 shooting a 357. He didn't treat hearing loss until he was 46. And it shows in some of his testing and more so in not so much as his testing, but the testing part when it comes to word recognition and some of those pieces, because he waited those 25 years, it's now affected him, you know, 20 years past that. And that goes to some of the studies that talk about, you know, brain and cognitive and all those things. But, you know, looking at noise exposure, what happens? You know, the cochlea is the little snail, you know, looks like a snail that's inside of your, inside of your cochlea. There are 15,000 tiny little hairs that are inside of that cochlea. Well, as sound comes in the ear, it hits the eardrum, 
and then goes through the middle ear into the cochlea. The ones that are to the outer edge are your high frequency. The ones buried down deep are your low frequency. Well, when you have noise exposure, the first ones that get damaged are the high frequency. What is that impact? If a person comes in and say, and you know, if they say to me, I'm a farmer, I will look at them and I'll say, well, you can hear, you just can't understand. You turn the volume up looking for clarity, but it just becomes louder. You turn radio, you turn TV up. If it's one-on-one -on -one in a quiet environment, you probably do okay. The more we add to your environment, the harder it gets. And they'll look at me and they'll say, yeah, how did you know? Well, because that's very significant of what a high-frequency loss is. High frequencies make up 65% of how we hear or understand speech in the English language. That's where all the consonants are. The vowels are down in the lower frequency. So if I took a sentence and I take out the consonants, I can't recognize the sentence. But if I take out the vowels, I can pretty much make out what a sentence would look like or what it would say. So the consonants are the critical part, but those are what gets damaged first when it comes to noise exposure. Well, you're right on on what I have uh, dealt with. And to this day, you know, the restoration of my hearing has been remarkable, but I still can't hear as sharply as I would say a 12-year-old a child could hear, yep. uh, who's old enough to understand every word and has the sharpness to pick out frequencies from top to bottom. Um, but I do have, you know, a, a, the ability to sort them out. And every once in a while, especially with my wife, who refuses to look at me when she talks <laughs> and sometimes talks from the other room, uh, I hear her say one thing and I'll think it's impossible for her to have said that. And then I will figure out what she said before I ever get a chance to respond to her. Yep. It just takes time for you to be able to do so. Whereas if you had sharpest hearing, you would be able to pick that out immediately and never have any issue with it. So the hearing public does seem to be a bit annoyed by people who have a hearing loss. And the people with a hearing loss, myself included, Dwayne included, are people that say, you don't do anything when you speak to assist us. Back to my childhood for just a moment. Yeah. One of the reasons I really believe I got into broadcasting is that my father was in his mid-40s by the time I was five years old. So in the evening, he got in and sat in his chair. He was a farmer mostly. I would go over, and I would stand in front of him, and I would speak directly to him, and he would respond in a positive manner, which is what I was after. I'm always after. I'm still after today. And he would then give me the confidence to do that again. And yeah. uh, sometimes it's not easy to stand close to your father and, and speak to him because you have to be out of the, the range of his swing. Uh, but I was able to do that and get the reinforcement from him. And that basically turned me into having a broadcast voice and the desire for you to hear me. And I think yeah. I am different than many of the hearing public always have been that I want you to not only hear, but to understand me. And when you have a hearing loss, you have just defined why we have a problem in doing so. I wanted to ask you about COVID. Yeah. COVID-19. Um, I have my own punchline to this, but 
what damage did COVID do to the hearing impaired of our country? Um, in my opinion, um, it set the hearing impaired back. I can't even put I can't even put a number on it. The number the studies aren't out yet, but I can I can tell you one thing that we took COVID very seriously for our patients from the standpoint that our demographic, you know, if you look at, at hearing loss as a whole, our demographic tends to be 65 and above. Now, you know, it's, it's getting lower and lower, but it tends to be 65 and above. Well, that demographic was put in the high risk group. So they were encouraged to, you know, basically isolate. It was stay home, don't go out, don't interact, don't do anything. When you look at what what they had left, if they were if they were told to stay home, isolate and don't do anything, what they had left was someone at home, they had that conversation, they had television, radio, they had FaceTime or Zoom calls with family, and that was literally all they had. Well, if you had a hearing loss that was untreated and you already struggled in all those categories, it just made your life even worse because now all you had left to find joy in, it puts you even further back in those because you can't hear on the phone, you can't hear television, you know, your computers, those things were hard to hear. So any kind of, of interaction you were having the, the ones that you were looking forward to having joy in, you weren't even finding joy in because it was just a struggle. It was hard. So it really set the, the hard of hearing group. Uh, it, set them, it set them back just even further. Well, the quarantine aspect of it, you know, did the most damage to people, I believe, because they couldn't get out and interact yeah. with other people in the normal way that they do. My flippant answer is it, it cost me 20% of my hearing because people put a mask over their mouth. Oh and yeah, you you don't realize for if you're a non-hearing person how much people cheat. People read lips. Yeah, and uh, I would go into an office somewhere. You know, I'm wearing your hearing aids. I, let's make it clear. I don't have perfect hearing, but I have better hearing by a long way than I have without them. So yep. I go into an office, and here's this nice little young lady. She's soft-spoken already, and she's got a mask on, and she is the one who's supposed to talk to me. And she doesn't want to talk very loud because she's embarrassed, you know, period, to talk to a person, especially, you know, when you're an older man. And I can't see her mouth move. So I look at her like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. You're either going to have to take off that mask or you're going to have to speak up. And I've, I've never said it in any other way but nicely. But I'm sure what I've said to them is what their boss has said to them. Look, you are here your job is to communicate with people, and if they can't hear you, they can't understand you. There's the bottom line. They can't understand you, then you're not doing your job. Yeah. So please, if you're a hearing person and you wear a mask, realize that you've got to up your volume probably around 20% to be equal to yourself without a mask. And that's not because only of the mask. It's because the people can't see your lips move. Yes, so what happened, you know, when you develop a hearing loss, before you, you know, really realize you have a hearing loss, you start cheating. You start reading lips. You, you know, you really focus with your eyes. Your eyes help you hear because you have to, you know, 
you've got to read lift. You take what you, you know, the parts that you do here and you piece them together to try to form sentences. And you start, you know, you start doing all these things. You cheat. You start leaning in. You start, you know, really just using all these little cheaters that you can. And then when you put a mask on and then when you also take a divider, you know, when you go to high V or, or <laughs> and you put a plastic divider up, I mean, it's just crazy. And expecting someone, you know, who has normal hearing to hear any of that is is a crapshoot. But then now you take someone who has a hearing loss, treated or untreated, you're you're really putting them behind the eight ball. <laughs> OK, I got a story for you from today. This is real. I went through the prescription line uh, at the drive-thru at the pharmacy, and I noticed they had the drawer open. It's almost like one of those bank drawers, you know, that they move in and out. Yep. And the drawer was open, and then it closed, and the car pulled away, and I pulled up, and the drawer opened. And this young man stuck his head into the drawer, and he said, our PA is out. You'll have to listen to me through the drawer. Can you hear me? <laughs> and, I, and he had a mask on. And I looked at him and I said, take your mask off and look at me while you're talking. And yes, I can hear you. But I thought that's, this, that is beyond the call for having to do that. But he, he went on. He, he did everything while I was sitting there with people through that damn drawer that was open that he was yelling into from the other end. God bless him. Hey, a young person with a hearing loss. Yeah. I mean, I was 50, I was 55 years old when I met Dwayne and my hearing loss had been identified since I took a physical for the Navy when I was 21. Yep. So clearly I'd had a hearing loss my whole adult life. And I had been to audiologists uh, because I wanted to be able to hear. And they had all turned me away saying, you have a hearing loss, but you don't have one we can treat because if we put these hearing aids on you, it brings up the volume of everything. And they did. And I would hear the air conditioning system running at like five times the level of normal. But I still couldn't understand them. And I still couldn't remember we had watches that beeped back at that yep. time. I'd touch my watch and I wouldn't be able to hear it beep. And that is how I knew that my hearing loss was really getting worse. I started with my hearing aids immediately and uh, had good counsel from your people at Iowa Hearing. Duane said, now it's going to be probably six months to a year before you really regain some of your ability to hear. It's true, but I'd still like an explanation of why it works that way. You know, when you think about how, it, you know, again, high frequency, typically it typically doesn't happen instantaneous, you know, you with the manhole, Dwayne with the with the 357, but typically it's just being exposed to noise constantly every single day, and it's just you know it's it's like a hammer. It's just pounding, 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 pounding. Well, it takes its toll. It's I equate it to like turning the radio knob down one notch every year. One notch doesn't seem like a whole lot this year, but in your fifth, sixth, and seventh year, now the notch is. You know, they now it's a quantitative number and you're sitting there saying, oh, I have a hearing loss. When it happens so gradually like that, your brain loses a reference point for what normal is. When you put hearing devices on, your brain now has to say, whoa, 
I'm, what is all this? Your brain has to start resorting through and relearning what those sounds are. The worse your hearing gets, the harder it is to adjust to those things because, you're, again, your brain lost that reference point. Nothing is ever louder than when you had normal hearing. Your brain just forgot what normal was. So you have to go through the process of wearing the devices, listening, hearing, for your brain to relearn a lot of these things. And the studies even say it can take up to 18 months of wearing devices for optimal use. So it's just a matter of your brain going through that process. You know, they've shown on an MRI the actual gray matter chain between a person with normal hearing and those with an untreated hearing loss. And your brain physically changes. The makeup physically will change. It will shrink. So your brain has to now readjust and relearn the processes of, of, of sound process. That makes total sense. And I've thought about it several times before. My illustration of this is that I got those hearing aids and about six months later was springtime and I recall going outside and I had a little um, acreage just south of Des Moines and I heard quail and I thought, wow, I didn't know there were any quail in here. And then I thought, when's the last time I heard the sound of quail calling? Because it's a distinctive call and if you're a bird hunter, you really love to hear quail because it gives you some hope. Uh, And as a result of that, I thought, I don't think I've heard a quail in probably 15 or 20 years. But I attributed that, right or wrong, to the fact that that sound had been there, but I couldn't figure out what it was. It was of the right frequency and and, uh, volume that I had lost it. Yeah. And that's usually, you know, when... One of the big indicators is when spring comes, you go on your back porch and your spouse may say, hey, those you know, birds sound beautiful. And you're like, what? Yeah, and that's right. When you put devices back on, now it's bird singing. It's it's the chirping. It's those little sounds that you just you see things, but you don't hear the thing. You see a bird. You just don't hear the bird. And it's those little sounds that you take for granted that when you do start hearing them again, it's amazing. You sit and think, how, how long has it been? Taylor Parker is my guest. He's president of Iowa Hearing. Um, we have been uh, working together for a long time, uh, very positively, I guess since 2005, when I started working with his father-in-law, Dwayne Flagel. And uh, I still wear your hearing aids. And I wear them from the time I get up in the morning until the time I go to bed at night, unless there is some... Uh, physical activity or something else where that I take them out. I believe that is the way you should do it. One of my friends has a husband with hearing aids, and and I said, did he lose his hearing aids? She said, no, I can tell you exactly what drawer they're in. Uh, He doesn't wear his hearing aids, even though he has them. And And again, there's a social aspect here, I'm sure. But I use mine because they're a tool that feeds my brain, that gives me the response that I want. And I just feel like that if you're going to buy them, you're going to wear them. When you have an untreated hearing loss, think about 
like, you know, you being in broadcasting, think of it this way. When you have a radio signal that is getting interrupted, whether it's from going under a bridge, through a tunnel, or there's heavy rain or something's going on and you're getting a broken signal and you're trying to piece together what is going on, even though you're getting a broken signal. So, you know, and you're trying to, you know, whether it's a song or whether it's a, maybe it's a podcast or you're listening to a radio station and you're, and you're just listening and you're trying to piece it together in that time frame. When you have an untreated hearing loss, that is what your brain is doing all day long. It is having to piece together broken signal and trying to put it together. That is where the brain, you know, the overload comes in and the cognitive decline because your brain is robbing from another area to focus on hearing. When you go and you say, okay, I'm going to make this call. I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get my hearing checked and I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And you do that. You have to, you have to put those signals together by wearing your hearing devices or you're doing the exact same thing to your brain when you wear them only when you think you need to or when you want to. So in order for your brain to get the proper signal, it has to get the signal. It can't get that broken signal all the time. So by wearing them all the time, you're actually helping your brain through that through the cognitive part. And you know, the studies from Johns Hopkins show that within a year of wearing hearing devices, you can improve cognitive function by up to 50%. But again, that's by wearing them. That's not by buying them. No doubt about that. Well, I want to ask you one last thing and then ask how that uh, people can get in touch with your people. That is, Dwayne started me out uh, on hearing aids that weren't as good as what I have each generation past that. I think I've had three or four generations of hearing aids. The hearing aids have been able to be very flexible, and of course, uh, bells and whistles have also been attached, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, to hearing aids since that beginning. But the technology advances, and I'd ask you, what do you think of the hearing aids today versus the hearing aids you were selling that were state-of-the-art 10 to 20 years ago? Oh, uh, light years. The big, well, there's two, really two pieces. And, you know, when we, when you opened the podcast, you were talking about the space program. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you mentioned that because the computing power that we have in our devices today is the same computing power that put the first rocket on the moon. So when you think about how big that rocket was in 1969 and what it took, and that's what you're wearing on your ear right now. So, and, and when you think about technology, in hearing devices, the number one thing that you can have is, is processing speed. You know, like any computer, the faster it is, the better it processes. And hearing aids are designed to look for speech waves and noise waves. They're designed to take speech and enhance it and take a true noise wave, fork on a plate or someone dropping something, um, scuffing along the floor, that's a noise wave. And it's designed to suppress that. The faster it can do that, the better you'll hear in competing situations. So speed is the number one thing we have today, but what they've been able to add as far as being Bluetooth, meaning you can uh, download an app and it gives you so much control at the fingertips to be able to just change settings and 
and change directionality in an environment to be able to connect to your phone and answer phone calls or to listen to podcasts or listen to music or to watch movies connected without having to put on another another set of different devices for my television or for this or to have a Bluetooth headset to listen to whatever. Every, your hearing aids now became your Bluetooth device. And you can do everything through your hearing aids compensating for your hearing loss through your devices that are the smallest they have ever been. They're fully rechargeable in how they can work you know, in those in those settings, such as restaurants and group settings, how they're able to process now versus what they were even 10 years ago is is just light years. We've had we've had more advancement in the last five years than we've had in all the years of hearing devices. Well, in mine, I have been doing this entire conversation with you uh, over my phone. Uh, with the Bluetooth hearing devices, which I use almost exclusively now, unless uh, my wife and I both want to hear on the phone, and then I put it to speaker so that we can both hear. The Bluetooth devices are really the same situation as what you pay a great deal of money for now that stick out of people's ears in all the coolest places, uh, because that's what they want. They want to be able to have that personal hearing experience, uh, and you can get that. I can hear what's coming through the Bluetooth device and I can hear the ambient sound of the world at the same time and in pretty good balance. Yeah, and that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to be able to function in both worlds. Now, there are settings that you could do where if you wanted to completely cut out the ambient, you could and you and you know, you can do that. The flexibility you have at your fingertips is unlike anything we have ever ever seen or been able to to just, you know, have our hands on, which is, yeah. which is great for the hearing, you know, the hearing individual. You don't have to just rely on coming in the clinic and having, you know, uh, programming changes. You can do things at your fingertips now that can help you get through longer stretches without having to just come strictly into the office to have some of these things done. Well, I pull up the app that uh, your people have taught me how to utilize. It's very straightforward. And once it links with your hearing aids, you then start to adjust it of what hearing you want to have, what setting you want to go to, and whether for a unique situation, you want to have a, a setting where you jack up your hearing aids a couple of notches, and uh, you, uh, you can hear, uh, you can sort out uh, sounds that you would not have been able to hear at all otherwise. Run it in a normal setting that the Iowa hearing uh, technology, technology people did for me, uh, and all of them have a couple of settings already on them that you can go to. But if you if you really want to be a techie with your hearing aids, uh, the capability is there and the results are clear. It works. And to go with that, you know, for those individuals who, you know, maybe don't have a smartphone or don't want to do that, you don't have to. It's just built into your devices. And if you ever want to, we can set it up. Um, and the other part is if you do do it, you can't break anything. You know, when you go into your app and you make changes, they're, they're changed until you go back in there and change them again. When you, you know, when you put your hearing aids in the charger and take them out in the morning, you're back at square one. So you can start all over if you want to. So you can't break anything playing around in the app. 
Well, Taylor, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, everything I say is from my own life experience. I could never give a product that I can think of uh, any more endorsement than the hearing aids that I have from Iowa Hearing and the people that you have. And uh, let me say that these are not simple little devices, but they do all the work for me. My biggest you know, challenge is the amount of dirt and sweat that I get on the hearing aid, but it's so much easier to clean off today, and it's protected so much better than in years past that I just uh, count on them being able to take care of me and reset my hearing aids, and off I go for another six months. I try to go see your people twice a year. To me, that's just as normal, and of course, they like to visit, I think, and I like to visit with them. Yeah, and you know, the beauty about concept is you your service is included. So if you wanted to come in every month, you could. In your case, you want to come in every six, you can. And it's really catered around each individual, their situation, um, and what they need. And, you know, we always set your appointment up when you leave for your next appointment. But if something goes on, you can call, come in sooner, we can address whatever it is, and then we reset your appointment. But it's having that appointment, one, to make sure that you're staying on a, you know, just a clean and check kind of schedule, kind of like oil changes. But at Concept, you have the ability to come in when you need to, not just at, you know, whatever appointment is. You can come in whenever. And, and that's what, you know, we have always done. And, and that's what we continue to do. Now, you've got offices, uh, either part-time or full-time, uh, across the state of Iowa. So it, people just need to find uh, by probably the telephone call to you where the nearest office location is. So I'll ask you something that I promoted more than anything else, your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our phone number is 877-955-4020. That will get you a free hearing screening, and that's good at any one of our 15 statewide locations. Well, 877-955-4020. If you're a farmer, 4020, John Deere, you've got that number memorized. <laughs> so I'm sure that you can figure out how to get in touch with them. But truly positive folks that can do the job for you and have done the job for me. And I swear by them. And I hope I can continue uh, utilizing your hearing aids from the now through the rest of my life. I think I'm in a situation now where some people who never had a hearing loss have less ability to hear than I do. So, Taylor Parker, thank you very much for being with me today on this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you so much, Ken. It's always great to talk with you.